You know, we think in the U.S. that like, if it's on the shelves, it must be safe. Somebody is looking out for me. And honestly, that's not really the case. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Sinclair Kennelly. Our topic today is the importance of detoxification. This is gonna be a two-part episode. In part one, we cover industrial chemicals, heavy metals, and mold. And in part two, we're gonna dive into EMFs and plastics. We're gonna talk about how all of these toxins interfere with our longevity and interfere with our ability to self-heal. Stay tuned for both episodes. This is an awesome interview. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Sinclair Kennelly. She's a former chronic illness patient turned health activist. As an award-winning expert on chronic digestive illnesses, CEO of DetoxRejuvenation.com and host of the Your Health Reset Podcast, she's on a mission to help people discover the real reasons behind their health issues and take their power back. Welcome to the show, Sinclair. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's a joy to be here. We're going to get to some good stuff today, but as many of the listeners know, chapter five of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, compares the laundry room in our homes to the detox organs in our body, right? We have a constant influx of dirty clothes in our home, especially with a toddler that need to be washed, dried, folded, and put away. And that never stops. That's an ongoing process. It's not like we do the laundry once in our life and it's done. It is constant. The same is true with our bodies. And I know that's something that you heavily focus on. I mean, if we're not detoxing, we die. I mean, literally, that could be the title of this episode, Detox or Die, right? (laughs) There are things that we can do to limit our exposure to toxins. And there are things we can do to help our detox organs work more effectively. So that's what I want to focus this episode on today. And you're an expert in this area. So let's start with your story, Sinclair. So how did you become the CEO of Detox Rejuvenation? Uh, the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way. It makes for the best story. So let's hear it. Yeah. Well, both my partner um, in all things, Michael Spandell, and I actually started in mental health. And we were convinced that most health issues were actually highly psychosomatic. And, you know, we loved helping people with the, you know, mental and emotional aspects of healing. And then we both got too sick to continue mm. our practices. And we became mystery chronic illness patients. We had very different symptoms and it didn't matter which specialist we went to. They all had different ideas. Each one was weirder and dumber than the last. I got put on all sorts of weird medications and uh, misdiagnosed over and over again, or just told everybody loves to hear this, right? Um, Your labs look normal. You're fine. That's all in your head. So um, it was, it was a really tough few years, but Michael was the one who actually figured it out. He was at a European toxicology conference and he called me and said, oh my God, I know what's wrong with both of us. Wow. Yeah. Can you share a little bit of, so you both were toxic, it sounds like. Yeah. So can you share for the listeners so that they know, like you mentioned your symptoms were different. So you may not have thought your root cause was similar. Right. What were some of your symptoms as compared to his symptoms? that both had this this same root cause? So I had fibromyalgia and it went undiagnosed. And I also had Lyme and mold poisoning and heavy metal poisoning. And what that amounted to for me on any given day was extreme depression and social phobia and anxiety and mm. um, the inability to really function with any stimulus whatsoever. Like I write on my website <laughs> stories, things like standing in a coffee shop line and absolutely having a meltdown because... 
it was taking too long to get to the front, but it was really just that I couldn't stand for more than a few minutes at a time. Wow. So by the end of it, for me, I couldn't read an email. I couldn't write a sentence. I couldn't stand up for more than a few minutes at a time. I couldn't even walk to the back of my own office building to check on my own employees. It was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And I had insomnia, whereas Michael could never really wake up, honestly. And he had food sensitivities that seemed to change overnight. You know, he'd get on a roll. He'd have, he'd finally, you know, he'd say, okay, I finally found it, you know, and he'd have a very, very strict diet and it would work for about two and a half weeks. And then everything would shift. He had serious mast cell activation issues, right? Extremely histamine sensitive, unlivable skin sensitivities. He had a rash that really didn't look bad to the outside, but it was just constant itching. And, you know, the sensations for him were just unlivable. Yikes. And he wouldn't, he would take like 10 hours a day to wake up. It was by like 7 p.m. He'd finally be good to go. When I hear patients like Michael, I think EMFs could be causing problems and I think mold. I mean, in many of those cases, and I don't know if that was true for him or not, or if you don't even have to share if you don't want, but maybe we'll dive into those. So yeah, you're spot on. EMFs were a huge issue for us in our house. They were absolutely making us sick. We were sleeping in seven volts, which anything over one volt is considered catastrophic by building biologists. So how did you figure that out? Basically, he went to a conference and he basically thought, okay, I need to start exploring some of these triggers or? Yeah. So it's, it's an exciting time in the U S that these ideas are finally getting out there, but many years ago, they were not. (laughs) Europe was way ahead of us. So he finally started connecting the dots himself about heavy metals and my symptoms and mold exposure. He said, we need to look into this. And he started digging in and I had mold in my office at work and I had mold in my car. We didn't have it in the house. Well, we did have it in the basement, but it wasn't like a a housewide. How'd you know you had it in your car? He could smell it and I couldn't. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did you ever have like rain or like water damage in the car that? Yeah, it was just a tiny seal leak Mm -hmm. in the rear passenger door. You never, ever would have noticed it almost invisible to the naked eye. Wow. But I could feel that it was damp every once in a while after a rainstorm. And living in Oregon, that's sort of part of life there. Interesting. Well, I want to dive into all of these even mold, you know, more specifically, but maybe I should back up and first have you kind of define for the listeners what a toxin is. Like, what's the deal with toxins? What are they? Such a great question. Okay, so we do make our own metabolic waste that is toxic to us in our bodies that need to be excreted. But that's not what we're talking about when we talk about toxins for the most part today. We are talking about substances that our bodies were never designed to interact with in the first place, even if they are from the earth itself, like aluminum is a major toxin. We are living in the aluminum age. We have been for decades. Aluminum is used for everything. It's in our food. It's in our cookware. It's in our personal care products. Um, You know, our food is stored in it. So that's an example of a toxin that is really abundant in the earth's crust, but we never evolved with it because we weren't mining the earth's crust until very recently. But for the most part, when people are talking about toxins, they're talking about industrial chemicals, which there are over a hundred thousand of them. And very few of those have been tested for safety. You know, we think in the U.S. that like, if it's on the shelves, it must be safe. Somebody is looking out for me. And honestly, that's not really the case. The burden is on the consumer in the U.S. Mm. to prove that something is hurting our health. The burden is not on the companies to prove that something is safe for the public. 
So when you say industrial chemical, because I want to break this down for the listeners, because I think some of my guests are so smart that they don't mean to, but they almost talk over the audience. <laughs> when I hear industrial <laughs> chemical, yeah, I think of like a factory. I think of, and we have many factories in Iowa, like uh, driving across the interstate, like don't roll your windows down or you're going to smell who knows what, you know, pollution. Mm. But are you, when you say industrial chemicals, are you talking about like cleaning chemicals that are on the shelf at Target? Like, is that what you mean by that? I'm talking about synthetic substances that are, yes, in our cleaning products. They're also in our building materials. They're in our personal care products and they're in our food and our food packaging. They're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, they are everywhere. They're in our air. They're in our water. Guys, our water is really toxic. Yeah. Our municipal water facilities were not designed to filter this stuff out. You cannot assume that this is being handled for you. What I tell people is it's not your fault that you're getting exposed to all these things, but it is your job to fix it. Mm, that's good. Industrial toxins, just to give you a figure from the EPA, the EPA itself admits that as of 2018, we were importing 250 pounds of chemicals per person per day into the U.S. And that does not count herbicides, pesticides, fuel, or pharmaceuticals. It makes me think where, I mean, maybe I'm just naive. Where is all that going? Yeah, where, where are they going? Yeah. Into our water, into our air, into our all the things that you were, yeah, into our bodies. Yeah. Yikes. Interesting. Yeah. So toxins can be, I mean, we are, the list goes on and on, but I, before maybe we continue on that list, I know you also specialize in getting to the root cause of digestive issues, mm -hmm. which you strongly feel are toxins, right? So there are seven of these major root causes that I want to break down. I think we just hit on number one. So I wanted to kind of mesh those questions together. So am I right in saying one of those root causes is industrial chemicals? Absolutely. Because industrial chemicals, like the major umbrella family of toxins are very, very good at disrupting our natural self-balancing mechanisms in our body. Another way to say that is they stop our body's ability to heal ourselves. And it's not just about like a toxin comes in and then it goes out, passes through, and it's a little bit irritating on the way. No, toxins come in and sometimes up to 80% of that volume gets stored. You know, if your body mm -hmm. can't excrete it right away, it will try to tuck it away. And it's got a lot of short-term strategies that work really well for that. But unfortunately, they add up over time to some very real chronic symptoms and illnesses. And this is what I want people to understand. If you are struggling at home, if you're one of the two out of three Americans that has had digestive issues within the last seven days, this could be a component for you. And it's worth looking into. That's an insane statistic, isn't it? Two out of three Americans. Mm -hmm. have had chronic um, digestive symptoms within the last seven days. It's just wrong. It's not right, but I believe <laughs> yeah. it. I believe it. Yeah. And, and we think, oh, it's just me. You know, it's just, that's just how my gut works. Or, you know, I'm on the short bus. My body's just funky. Or everybody in my family has this. Well, your whole family may have been exposed to something. Or you may be expressing something genetically. Like, this is how your genes <laughs> respond to this toxin. Exactly. Exactly. So let's move on down that list of those kind of seven root causes or those kind of maybe seven toxins. So what would be next after industrial chemicals? Well, it's important to understand that herbicides and pesticides are on all of your food and they're also in the water itself. So, and that includes organic food and it doesn't, I'm not discouraging you from buying organic. Nothing could be further from the truth. I really want you to buy organic because it's one of the only ways we can show our buying power and um, dilute this yeah. and change the conversation, right? But it, it would be naive to think that you're not getting exposed. 
And like, for example, all grains um, that are organic, it's legal to spray them with glyphosate, which is, you know, that. What? Yes. As part of the harvesting process as a desiccant because it speeds up harvesting and makes it more economical. But because it's not considered a growth agent at that time, it's still considered legal to call it organic. I didn't know that. And even if you love your brand of organic grains, like Bob's Red Mill or, you know, whatever your favorite is, they don't have enough insight into the supply chain. They can't actually guarantee that they're buying from suppliers that are avoiding that practice. Because that's my next question is how do you find suppliers who aren't? How do you know who's not using glyphosate? If organic's not good enough, yeah. <laughs> right. You have to start asking really intelligent questions. And there's some great small companies out there like Blue Mountain, like Wildly Organic, like Terrasol. These are, each food has its weird quirks about what you can do to it to destroy it nutritionally and still call it organic. This is why it's worth digging into this and starting to follow those small brands that are making the tough choices. And frankly, you know, giving yourself the, the room to do that because you're so worth it and so is your family. You pay for it now or you pay for it later, right? But back to your question about the seven root causes. So there's industrial toxins, herbicides and pesticides, um, heavy metals. Like, for example, most people don't realize this, but if you trace back your timeline and you're somebody with digestive issues and you had many amalgam fillings, look at when they were put in and when your digestive issues started because... Half the weight of those amalgam fillings by volume is mercury. And more than half of that mercury will evaporate within the first seven years of them being installed in your mouth. It is not stable. Mercury evaporates at room temperatures and higher. So it will pass right through your membranes. It will go down into your digestive tract. It will go into your brain. It will go into your thyroid, all the places you do not want mercury. And there are many, many digestive conditions associated with mercury exposure. Yeah, listeners, think of what St. Clair just said. So she said at room temperature or above. So if you're drinking a hot beverage and you have a bunch of metal in your mouth, as you're drinking that, or if you're consuming warm foods with each chew, mercury vapors are being released. And where are they going? I mean, they're literally getting stored elsewhere in your body. So very scary. So on the heavy metal topic, amalgam fillings are one huge source of exposure. What other sources. Fish gets a bad rap because, you know, we're aware that especially the higher up the fish is in the food chain, the more likely it is to be (laughs) high in mercury, but really fillings are the greater source of exposure. And now that we're multiple generations into the mercury amalgam experiment, it's been over a hundred years, you've got your mama's mercury in you, you've got your grandma's mercury in you, depending on when their fillings are put in. So there's also a generational burden to consider, and it does matter. Your birth order, the oldest, will get a higher <laughs> yes, That's me. exposure <laughs> from mom. Me too. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. For the listeners, I have two episodes on um, holistic biologic dentistry. So if this piques your interest, please listen to those because there is a way to safely remove them. I have had mine safely removed. Don't just call your dentist up after hearing this episode and say, I want them all removed tomorrow because that's not the best way to go about this. So please listen to those episodes where we can dive deeper and maybe you can echo or comment on that. (laughs) That's such a great point, Stephanie. I'm really glad that you brought that up because we like to see you prepare for it and support your gut and get the body ready to remove the fillings. And we want you to work with a biological dentist who, I mean, want you to grill them. And so listen to Stephanie's episodes about that because not all biological dentists are created equal. You can go to iaomt.org and start there, which is great. 
but you really want to understand their process and make sure that they are protecting you just as much as they are protecting themselves. It's not enough for them to put on a hazmat suit (laughs) when you are removing these things. It can be quite the toxic exposure unless you are getting protected with binders before, during, and after, that you have suction, that you have as much protection as possible. Between the fumes from car exhaust, industrial emissions, and, as many of us have experienced recently, smoke from forest fires, the air we breathe is often filled with harmful pollutants. But did you know that the EPA has shown that indoor air can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air? This is why at my clinic and at my home, I use Air Doctor air filters. These filters are 100 times more effective than ordinary purifiers and help capture smoke, viruses, bacteria, pollen, mold, and dust mites. In fact, they capture 100% of some of the most dangerous ultrafine particles as small as 0.003 microns in size, and that's pretty small. They have a proprietary dual-action carbon gas trap VOC filter, which combines two types of media, activated carbon to remove gas and odors and potassium permanganate to deactivate certain volatile organic compounds, VOCs, like formaldehyde. Air Doctor's auto mode uses a professional-grade air quality sensor to assess the air in the room and immediately adjust to correct levels of air filtration. The sensor will also alert you when your air quality is compromised by changing its indicator lights from green to yellow or red. I discovered this feature almost immediately after installing my Air Doctor at home when the indicator light went from green to red. It got me wondering why the air was so bad and I did some digging. It turned out there was a problem with my furnace. After it was fixed, the Air Doctor sensor immediately turned back to green. Had I not discovered the issue with the help of the Air Doctor, we could have ended up with much greater problems. I often recommend the Air Doctor to my patients dealing with mold toxicity. Of course, I always recommend they remove themselves from the mold exposure as soon as possible, but I understand it takes time to remediate the home. So in the meantime, as well as on an ongoing basis, I recommend they get Air Doctors running in their homes. One of these machines would be a great Christmas gift for a loved one. Stop by the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic if you'd like to see different sizes or visit the bonus tab of my website, yourlongevityblueprint.com to find a special link for $280 off the 83,000 using code GRAY15. That's capital G-R-A-Y 15. And watch for even greater promotions during Black Friday and Cyber Monday. But you must use my link, which we'll post in the show notes. Do you feel like personal care products are a big source of heavy metals too? Or maybe let's talk about personal care products. Do those make your list? Are, are those, Or does that kind of fall under the industrial chemical? That's a great question because personal care products are equally dangerous for both the industrial chemical side of things, also the microplastics and the heavy metals. There's a pretty famous study where they took a cross-section of lipsticks across many, many brands just a couple of years ago, and over 80% of them had high levels of lead contamination. We do not have enough insight into the supply chain. That's why it really matters what you're using. So when you think about your personal care, go ahead and throw it all out and burn it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to tell me what lipstick you're wearing because you you have a great, and it's darker shade because I've always been told darker shades many times have heavier or higher levels of heavy metals. Yeah. So you're going to you're gonna have to tell me what brand if you're comfortable. <laughs> yeah, of course. So there are brands out there that are saying that they are clean and what they mean is that they are avoiding certain chemicals and toxins that have become more visible to the consumer as being disruptive to their health. But that doesn't mean that they are tracking the supply chain for things like trace amounts of heavy metals. And so you need to choose a brand that is willing to do that. As a starter set of rules, anything that you put on your skin, you need to consider it food and ask, would I be willing to eat this? Because that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah, (laughs) Skin is a highly efficient absorptive organ, right? 
Yeah. And we do not want to cause things like lymph congestion and all sorts of fun stuff by um, putting unnecessary things on our skin. So when it comes to things like lotion, it's really easy. Use organic coconut oil or an organic shea butter. Flavor it with your favorite essential oil so that it has the perfect scent for you, but that it really is food. Like you could eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an easy one. And I'll comment on the coconut oil too. I mean, most coconut oil these days is stored in glass, but you know, yeah. don't be getting those that are stored in plastic and heating them. Don't heat it up in the microwave. Like some of that, you know, my listeners know, duh. But if you're new to this podcast, <laughs> make sure if you're getting... And I don't even know if shea butter comes in glass bottles, but I know the coconut it oil, it does. Yeah. So yeah. I would, I would recommend, I haven't used a lot of shea butter. Maybe I should, but <laughs> at least the coconut oil I use, definitely. I always get a glass, glass jar. Yeah. So that's an easy one. I also like things like um, herbolics or Morocco method for hair products because they are so persistent and weeding out anything that could be toxic. Like you think about how women concentrate a lot of personal care products at their head, like right at their brain, right where it's the most difficult to drain. If any of your digestion or your lymph has been compromised, your toxic exposure to your brain is going to be severely compromised in your ability to drain, especially if you're not sleeping deeply and you don't have enough melatonin or you're in the presence of EMFs. And most of us are all of the above. So you have this buildup that's really gross. And so I'm happy to link to, (laughs) not for the faint of heart, but there is a detox shampoo that will pull it out through the scalp You do not look good while you're using it. I'm not going to pretend that you do, (laughs) but you will smell things that you used to use years ago coming out of your scalp. Oh, gross. Yeah. What were the brands? You mentioned the good brands, Herbolics, and then what'd you say? Moroccan? Morocco Method. Oh, haven't heard of that. Morocco Method. Several different products, you know, based on your type of hair. Yeah, cool. And they do a really great job. For makeup, I use Beauty Counter or Crunchy. Yep. Yep. I use very little of it. Even products like Ilia and Well, these do not track heavy metals whatsoever. And so they they essentially amount to like, you know, some very well-intentioned greenwashing because they're not willing to actually look at if there's heavy metals in their products. That's not okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's not good enough. I'm getting frustrated here, but let's, <laughs> let's continue. <on. laughs> well, this is where it starts. So the changes that we've made so far are all due to consumer demand. Right. So it starts with things like listening to this podcast episode and deciding that you are worth it, that your family is worth it. And you're going to chip away at this problem. You're going to explore these brands. You know, I like the fact that Beauty Counter has a really lax return policy. If you don't like something, just return it. Like there's no reason not to buy it. I totally agree. Yes. And just use less. Like I changed my haircut so I don't have to use hairspray anymore. You know, do you really have to use all this stuff? They're really good at getting us the thing that we do. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Do you know statistics on, I used to know them and I kind of forgot them, like how many personal care products uh, the average woman uses on a daily basis? You know, the different studies contradict themselves, but it's about 38 products. It's a lot. Yeah, with toxic materials in them that women use. Yeah. And men, it's as low as 12, depending on the study. Still a lot. Okay, so personal care products. brain is real. So let's move on to another root cause. So give us another toxin. I think it's worth talking about mold. Yeah, let's do it. The U.S. is finally catching on to this a little bit in the functional medicine community, which is so wonderful, but we're still not good at recognizing the signs of it and understanding just how good mold is at representing in different ways. Like you could have brain fog, you could have depression, you could have sensitivity to light and sound, you could have serious digestive issues, you could have skin sensitivities, you could have histamine issues. 
They used to say, I was always taught that lime is the great mimicker, but I almost feel like mold is more of a mimicker than lime because <laughs> uh, yes, although both they, they can go hand in hand anyways, but yeah, I, I feel like. Can. Yeah. yeah, no, that's so important to mention because many people are still treating lime in isolation or mold in isolation and they often create the perfect conditions for each other to thrive, right? And we're not talking about your grandma's mold. I don't know about you, but my grandmother lived through the depression and so when she saw mold on her food, she cut off that little bit and she kept right on eating and she yep. would not allow any other response. Yep. And that's not the mold that we're talking about because mold uh, today is very different. There are over 500 species of mold that are categorized so far. And each one has its own fun, special quirks in ways that it disrupts the body and the types of mycotoxins, which is poison that it dumps um, into the body. But mold can, uh, you know, across those species can become up to 600 times more toxic in the presence of EMFs. And what are EMFs? They are different electrical pollution stimuluses that from like your router, your mm -hmm. cell phone, the wiring in your wall. Mold uses the electrical frequencies that our routers use, for example, to communicate within the colony. And they think that they're under attack when it's like their signals getting jammed. So they start dumping far more poison than they ever used to before. Think about how long we've had routers in our homes. Not that long. 15 years? Maybe? Yeah, I don't even know. Max? Some of us, it's much less than that. So while you may have lived in a water-damaged building before, you know, because over half the buildings in the U.S. have been water-damaged, and it only, it's less than 24 hours for a mold to start colonizing in a water-damaged building, do the math. This is a rapidly developing problem that's just exploded, yep. you know, just a little over a decade. That's why it's coming to the forefront of our consciousness in functional medicine. It's the time of year where many of my patients are feeling the motivation to detox, cleanse, reset, whatever you want to call it. After the year we've had in 2020, I think we all could use some renewal in our lives. Of course, one of the most common resolutions at the start of the new year is to focus on exercise and clean eating. But... I'm gonna be honest, you likely need more than that if you're looking to truly build optimal health. You likely change the furnace filters in your home regularly and in your car, you probably pay close attention to scheduling oil changes. In both your car and your home, this regular maintenance removes gunk that keeps those systems from operating at their best and even breaking down over time. Have you ever thought about the gunk that accumulates in your body? That gunk often takes the form of toxins that accumulate over time. Can you believe that each year the average person is exposed to 14 pounds of pesticides, herbicides, food additives, and preservatives? That's about the equivalent of a bowling ball of toxins. Just like your home and your car, regular maintenance is required to restore your body's ability to cleanse itself and eliminate these toxins to keep you operating at your best and prevent long-term damage. You might know that your liver is responsible for filtering toxins from your system, and you can think about this as a glass of water. If you keep on pouring in the water, the glass will eventually get full and overflow. Similarly, over your lifetime, your liver may accumulate a large amount of toxins and need assistance clearing them out. When it comes to supporting your liver, consider a strategically designed, researched, structured liver cleanse program to help with phase one and phase two detox pathways. You need a program with ingredients like beet, artichoke, dandelion, milk thistle, and alpha lipoic acid, all of which help your liver and gallbladder purge toxins and then a fiber protein powder to bind the toxins so that you can eliminate them. In my practice, I recommend the Core Restore program. The kit comes with day-by-day -day instructions, making it very clear and easy to understand how to change your lifestyle, what to eat, and which supplements to take. Staying healthy can be difficult, but straightforward, easy-to-follow cleanses like the Core Restore program can help you get back on track and pilot you into better behaviors moving forward in 2021. 
Please don't start this program if you have active gallstones or diabetes without consulting with your medical provider, and this is not for those who are pregnant or nursing. I know from personal experience this type of program will help you feel better, lose weight, release stored toxins, and benefit your entire body. Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code LIVERDETOX for 10% off either the chocolate or vanilla Core Restore programs. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, scary. I I first learned about mold toxicity, I think through, I really got to think back, but I think it was through a patient who had breast implant illness, who came to me, she had just severe brain fog. And I did, I mean, from a functional medicine standpoint, I feel like I did everything. I optimized her hormones. We somewhat detoxed the body, clearly not of mold. I mean, we removed food sensitivities. I, I felt like I really worked her through kind of my protocol and she just wasn't getting better. And she thought she may have breast implant illness. And I, at that point said, okay, I'm going to look into this. Of course, in Iowa, there I don't even know at that time if there were any surgeons. I think she went out of state for the explant, but it was like the next day she felt better. And that was probably for a variety of reasons. But long story short, I've talked, talked about this on a few other episodes. I ran what I knew at that point were some serum markers, some C3A, C4A, TGF beta one, some markers that I was just starting to learn to explore biotoxin illnesses with. And sure enough, her labs were abnormal. And so I thought, okay, she's onto something. She obviously made the right decision having those implants removed. But that kind of then led me to think, okay, what was in the implants? Well, what heavy metals or toxins or chemicals or mold or like what was in those implants? And then I started learning about mold and we've had several floods here. And it was like, once I started looking for it, I saw it everywhere, opened the flood, literally the floodgates. <laughs> the patients started flocking in because so many of them had mold. And I almost felt like an idiot that I hadn't known about this before. But like you said, I'm grateful that functional medicine is now finally looking at some of these things. They're now finally recognizing mold and teaching practitioners how to find it, what to look for. So I think that's where my journey began with mold. But I, I now use urine mycotoxin testing as well. We use all types of, of testing for our patients. But I think it's most important for them to assess their environment like you did to see if their home or their car is their source of exposure or their work or whatnot. It absolutely is. And it's also important to understand that you have to look backwards in your history because mold doesn't just colonize in the building that you're in. It colonizes in you, whether you inhale it. So it can be in your sinuses, your lungs, it can be in your digestive tract and it wants to take over, you know, so it's really good at elbowing out other uh, microbes so that it can really survive. And it also competes against other strains of mold in your body. So you may have been exposed in your workplace. Um, we had an amazing client. Um, she was such a delight. She <laughs> had her gallbladder removed and she had really been struggling with her health, you know, before that and ever since, and she had been removed like over 15 years ago, by the time she met us, she had been exposed to mold 20 years ago in her workplace. She worked in the doctor's office. So we took her through a deep mold detox because the more she was in the presence of EMFs, that was like kicking it up a notch, kicking it up a notch, kicking it up a notch, you know, and she was getting more and more anxious and having more and more difficult um, digestive symptoms. And we took her through, you know, a deep mold detox and she completely reclaimed who she is. You know, all the mental fatigue went away, all the anxiety, all the digestive issues. It's just amazing. Another woman had a really hearty constitution, but she said, oh, you know, I just have terrible allergies. I can't deal with it. And I can't kick this candida. And I don't know why. Like, really, have you ever tested your home? You know, have you ever done a, a urine mycotoxin test? No, no, no. I don't have any symptoms of mold. I have allergies and I have candida. I'm like, 
well, sweetie, let's talk because these things are related, right? Mm-hmm. And like Candida often follows along behind mold as the opportunist because mold creates the perfect conditions for it. And they're actually quite closely related. Can you talk a bit about biofilms here also? <laughs> yeah. So it's important when you're talking about biofilms to understand that most of us, when we're talking about biofilms in the functional medicine community, we're talking about the bad ones. You have healthy, good, appropriate biofilms in every organ, or you should, that are appropriate to that organ. What we're talking about are parasitic biofilms, that they are actually essentially colonizing parasites that take the form of a thick sludge. And you cannot kill them with antibiotics. You would kill yourself with the appropriate antibiotic dose to kill them 5,000 times over before you kill the biofilms. You have to pull it out and use other methods than antibiotics to get rid of this stuff. And it's very much, you know, opportunistic, just like, you know, all parasites, it will thrive where there is low, where there's stagnation. So low flow in the body and high amounts of toxins. Those two things go together, right? A moving stream runs clean, right? When you think about a a stream, you know, ducks are happy when the water is clear, you know, they're all over the place, but in the part of the stream where there's a bunch of, you know, fast food wrappers, you start to see the water slow down, you start to see algae start to bloom. That's the biofilm. Ducks don't want to go in that part. They don't want anywhere near it, right? Like your good bugs and your immune system and all that stuff. They cannot thrive in that environment, but parasitic bio and parasites and biofilms can. So they will house toxins for you because they thrive in an anaerobic, high stagnation environment. Um, and it makes it that much more difficult to get rid of them. And and they really do disrupt the body's systems. So I want to kind of try to put that in layman's terms. So this sludge you're saying can house organisms like mold, mold toxins, Lyme, right? So that's why just take an antibiotic. You think, oh, I'll just take an antibiotic to treat the Lyme, or I'll take a binder to bind the mold, whatnot, uh, is not all that is needed. We have to be able to penetrate the biofilm, or as you're kind of saying, pull the organisms out so that we can then then treat them. And I think that's what makes a really good practitioner is when they can figure out how to treat the biofilm, because so many patients don't get better when we're not addressing the biofilm. <laughs> exactly. It's why it's so useful to work with a practitioner who actually understands what a real deep detox is, because you need mitochondrial support, nutrient support, because if you have chronic illness symptoms, you're not absorbing your food effectively. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And your food's been empty for decades because of commercial mm-hmm. farming practices. So you have some ketchup work to do, right? And then you absolutely need not just, you know, binders to mop up toxins, but you need a way to safely pull them out of storage and to remove your body and your um, the parasites, you know, strategies for storing them, which sure. includes, but are not limited to biofilm. So it's about gently doing this all in tandem at a pace that your body can tolerate. I love that. Yes. Because if you detox too quickly, many patients feel sicker and they just fall off the protocol because they are feeling worse. So why would they continue? <laughs> right. When clearly they need to detox, That's they're having these symptoms. So clearly they do need to detox. Yeah. I mean, I've been there, you know, I listened to Summit Talks back in the day and I was like, okay, I got it. I'm going to take some cilantro and then my mercury is going to be gone. I'm like, no, 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 no. Not quite that easy. Do eat your cilantro, but yeah, it's not quite that easy. (laughs) You need elements to balance it. You need to think about your detox protocol like a house. Every wall has a different function. You need the support beams in place, a great foundation before you put the pressure of a roof on top. Yep, that's great. 
what is your best recommendation for patients to test their environment for mold? Like, do you use ERMI testing or what do you recommend? Yeah, ERMI testing is fine. So so is immunolytics. We like to, wherever possible, um, use local experts because nothing beats um, eyes in the house itself. Sure. But if there aren't any local experts, like if you live in Iowa... Right, exactly. Then immunolytics or ERMI is the way to go. What is the immunolytics? I think some of my patients have done those actually and sent them in to me. Yeah, it's a similar concept to ERMI where you leave the plates out. Oh, okay. Immunolytics, you can get some information without having to send in to pay for the analysis. So there's a, you know a couple of layers and ways to do it, which is nice. And you also have to remember to do things like test your car, right? Test your workplace. It's not just about the home. Test the attic, test the basement, because if it's affecting your HVAC system, it doesn't have to be in sight. And mold loves drywall. Like I cannot emphasize mm-hmm. it enough. It can be behind the paint. It's food for the mold, yeah. In yeah. the drywall, yeah. That cellulose, that cellulose will feed the mold, yep. Yes, yeah, so you do not have to see it for it to be there, trust me. Also, you got to remember that, you know, people are really proud of their reverse osmosis filters, right? But those can mold very easily. So we had a woman with um, really bad colitis come to us. When she started working with us, she could not take a sip of water without excreting blood and mucus. It was so bad. And she had to like plan her whole workday around this. It was really intense for her. So we healed her whole digestive tract and um, yet she was still struggling with weight and heart palpitations and fatigue. And we kept telling her we have got, like we told her the first you know moment we saw her, you've got molds guaranteed. Let's run some panels on you. Of course it was there. Even the lab called and was like, this is really high citronin. Do you have a good plan for this? Like, this is scary. <laughs> no, it's bad when the lab is calling you. So a year into working with us, she still hadn't dealt with her water. She'd had the mold people out. They said, no, 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 there's no mold in this house. She's like, you're wrong. It's, it's you know, this is an old exposure. It's not in my home right now. Like you're taking way too long to recover. It's still in the house. You still haven't dealt with your water. It's got to be the water. And she finally tested it. And yes, it was a reverse osmosis filter. And she was reposing herself and her children. Wow. Yeah, that makes me think about mine. I I guess I got to check that filter. Yeah, within a week of going to distilled water instead, her heart palpitations were gone. And her fatigue was cut in half. Wow. Yeah. That's what makes our job so hard. I mean, that's why so many patients have these chronic illnesses because who would have thought of that? Yeah. One in a 10,000 practitioners. I mean, seriously, like who would have thought of that? I mean, so that's, that's great. <laughs> a lot of it is clinical experience, right? And totally from podcasts like this, like it's so yep. worth it. Listening on someone else's experience. Exactly. Right? Gleaning from that. We should just do that. We should just do detox stories. Like <laughs> come on my podcast and we'll do detox stories. That is a great idea. That is a great idea. She just energizes me. We speak the same lingo and have similar passions. We want to get you healthy. If you've never tried safe personal care products, I'll also post my link to Beauty Counter in the show notes. If you're local and want to try any products, stop by the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic. Please listen to my upcoming episode with Dr. Cody Kreigel and past episode 18 with Dr. Ben Pospisil, both of which are holistic environmental dentists. Be sure and listen to my interview with Steve Dake on liver cleansing, which was originally run as episode 43, but considering all this detox talk, I decided to run it again after this two-part series. Be sure to tune in next week to part two of this episode where we dive into EMFs and plastics. You won't want to miss that. Lastly, I'd love to have you join us for Sinclair's Summit. It starts in the gut in March. I'd love it if you'd use my link to register, which I'll post in the show notes. 
Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.